This is 21st Century Women podcast where we hear from fabulous women doing interesting things. The goal is to celebrate their unique story while getting a dose of inspiration ourselves. I'm your host Jenna Watts and you're listening to episode number 90 with mindfulness meditation and well-being expert Kay Watts. And yes, you're right, Kay is a returning guest and with even more valuable insights, she joins us again to provide some ways we can adapt to pull through COVID-19 healthier and happier. So thank you and welcome back Kay to 21st Century Women. Great to be back, Jenna. Now, this episode is focused on how we get up and prepare ourselves for the day because as a global community, we have and we will continue to change the way we live, at least for the short term to medium term throughout COVID-19. So before we look at these tools, let's just start. In your opinion, Kay, how do you think we even got to this point? Well, it depends on whether you want, um, I mean, there's a number of different viewpoints on it. Um, You know, number one, it was uh, created in China. Well, it was through through eating animals that uh, exotic animals. Um, There's another story coming up now that it was created in a lab that happens to be in that district. Um, And there are many people coming out and supporting that theory. Um, That's a scary one. That's a scary one. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, I think on a, you know, a a bigger picture way of looking at it is um, I think – life has a way of if you're on the right track it will come and poke you in the back with a finger and if you don't take notice of that it'll come and maybe punch you at the on your at the back of your head you know (laughs) and if you don't take notice of that it will come with a four by two and whack you up but what and I think the the earth maybe has done that and but it sent a 10-ton truck to say you know, I've been trying to tell you that this isn't the right, we're not on the right track and something has to change. And, you know, we've had one event after another, one weather event, different things happening in the world. And this is just absolutely amazing how it's just stopped every one of us in the tracks. And, um, you know, I know I was spooking, you know, I go out and I, um, teach mindfulness and meditation how these skills gonna are going to help us in this new era that we find ourselves in and um, what we were taught was we're now in a new era which is the Aquarian era <laughs> is that navy yeah. don't <laughs> See, mind him keep going working from home this is what it's about. that wonderful. is true <laughs> wonderful at dinner time and, and Barca. yeah <laughs> and um it was, you know, we're in this new era. For those of us old enough, they'll remember the musical Hair, which was actually about this era, the Aquarian era. And it will have a name. It will be the digital era, the information era, or the Aquarian era if you're into astrology. And what is written is that this era, our illnesses will be mental health and viruses. And uh, the technology that I was taught, which is Kundalini yoga meditation, the, the, the yogi who brought it to the West said, 
this is the technology you'll need for these times because people are going to be in so much pain. So I've been spooking that for a while now, but I didn't realise it was actually just around the corner. (laughs) I've heard you say that, you know, viruses and depression, and here we are talking about it. It's weird. Here we are, like a 10-ton truck has just come and hit us. And and here we are. And, And now... And now I think people are really beginning to understand how the skills of mindfulness and meditation are the new superpowers to get us through this era. The, you know, what, what these skills, if you practice these skills, what they actually give us for how we go about our lives. You know, it's now we need these skills just like we clean our teeth, get up in the morning, clean our teeth and brush our hair. You know, we need to practice these skills now. We know that, I know even my family and friends, not even family, friends, you hear it across the globe, people saying, complaining before this hit, I'm so tired, I'm so busy, I wish I was more present with my kids, I wish I was um, being able to meditate, I wish I could do all this time, I wish I had more time. And here we are, we have all of those things, unless, yeah. you know, your work uh, still does limit you and, and you're a doctor, a nurse or on the front, on the front line. Do you think that people need to wake up before they can get started in any of this meditation and mindfulness and karma life? Oh, absolutely. When things are going well, when things are hunky-dory, we don't change. We don't grow during those times. And it's only when, you know, something comes and hits you in the face that you have to change. It's very rare. You know, we, we just get into these same old habits um and beliefs and patterns and we're too busy to change so it becomes very difficult for people to create new habits so to get something like this happen when you just we just have to stop but i think you you've raised a really important point there about be careful what you wish for because as you say so many of us have been putting out that god i wish i had more time mm. you know oh i'm so tired and that it's really important to understand now how the way we think, how the way we feel, our thoughts actually put out um, energetic frequencies into our environment. Yeah. And we've all been putting out the same kind of frequency. You know, when I go out to work to workplaces, like I ask them. Who wants more time in their life? And everybody puts out their hand. <laughs> Who wants more peace and calm? Everybody puts out their hand. And it's we've it, the universe has delivered. Mm. It absolutely has. It smacked us, like you said, straight in the face with a big semi-truck. Yeah, so I think it's really important for us to stop and just consider that because none of us were going to do it by ourselves, were we? I mean, I'm just sitting here today and go, Another day, I've got nowhere to go. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's quite nice. Yeah. You know? I know I'm enjoying it. I absolutely am at the moment. I'm enjoying making time for the things that I wouldn't make time for. And not that I couldn't make time for them, but I choose not to. And I think meditation, mindfulness is the exact same. You can always make time for it. It's just choosing to make time for it, which now we can. And I know more and more people are trying to and want to because they are confined in small places or confined to people they see in the faces they see and not their normal life. I've actually just put a meditation on LinkedIn with the title, 
have you ever thought that you never had time for meditation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now's the time. Well, let's 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 dive into that then. How do we stay calm and mindful when we are feeling isolated and anxious? Okay, can I just go back one step because mm. you know we've got to this point in history, and we are seeing people wake up to the skills of mindfulness and meditation, which we're we're going to talk about. But it's really for me. It's interesting to see how that history has come about because in the 70s, people never exercised. Now, for somebody your age, that might seem like that will just go over the top of your head because it's like, yeah, you know, you can't That's, relate to that. Yeah, you know? I know, yeah. It, it, it's just not part of your reality and never has been part of your reality. But people didn't exercise, and that's a fact. There was nothing to do. So in the 70s, in the early 70s, we started jogging, not en masse, you know, not like you'd go to the parks now and see people en masse jogging in the mornings. But people started jogging, and, and I, I love telling this story. When I was at university in the mid-'70s, and my flatmate and I used to go to bed at night in our tracksuits, our blue brine nylon tracksuits, because that's all, all there was. And we'd have our bags by the side of the bed, and in the morning we'd get up, have our bowl of muesli, and we'd be off in my little Morris Minor car, and we'd go to the university and we would jog through the forest. And on a weekday we'd come back, shower, get in the library. We were art students. We didn't have much commitments in where we had to be, so we'd spend the day in the library. But on a Saturday we would jog and then we would go and do our shopping and everybody would stare at us because we had tracksuits on. You know, it was such a, a, a strange sight. It was a phenomenon. And so then in the early eight, no, when was it? It was, um, yeah, the early 80s, aerobics happened. And, um, you know, Jane Fonda started her studio in, in L.A. And aerobics just exploded and I was a aerobics teacher in London and was teaching at the dance centre in Covent Garden and the Pineapple and we would have 50 people in a class like women came from everywhere and started exercising in all their leotards and leg warmers and the whole the whole thing and 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 that's how we the whole thing about getting up every morning and exercising, that's where it started on mass. And so and we've seen this trajectory just go go up and up and up and up. And you know, all the things we're doing now when it's on our apps and we're we're getting up and you and I were just talking about an app um, before we came on the air. Um, you know, it's fascinating and here we are. We are at the beginning now of this trajectory for mindfulness and meditation. So, my, you know, I would say, don't be late jumping on this bandwagon. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't want to be left behind because it is it, as with everything in this day and age, it's going to move very fast. 
It's kind of like all I can think of is people back in the day drinking and eating sugar and smoking and all of these things and then they've turned to exercise and here we are in the modern world where we're consumed in the digital world and the tech space and you know now we're getting to a point where we're craving something that helps us recover and heal and all the things or you know re-energize so the first health restaurant in London was called Cranks you were a crank if you ate healthy food you were being conned, you know? That's that's a fact. <laughs> really? Conned? Conned. You were being conned. You you were a crank and you were being conned, like, to eat this kind of food. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, let's look at COVID-19 and where we are today. And uh, I know that plenty of people will if they're not waking up, they'll be listening and going, you know, far out, I want to wake up. How do I do this? So, okay, okay. set them straight. Right. How do you how do, do is, it? How do we do it? <laughs> I would say this. I would say one word and I would say sadhana. And what sadhana means is daily practice. And it's kind of like a more spiritual practice, which is where the skills of mindfulness and meditation are taking us. Um, and it brings, and what this is about is getting every morning and getting your bum on a mat and practicing some meditation, some mindfulness, perhaps some yoga. And it brings, the idea is to bring self-awareness and personal victory. So this is the era of personal awareness. You know, up, up to this point, we've kind of gone around our lives quite disconnected from the neck up you know people haven't been aware of their bodies and there just hasn't been great awareness and so this is this is a time of self-awareness we have to understand when we're going into stress and how to how that feels in our body and how to turn it off we have to understand when when we're in our back brains we're multitasking we're mind wandering and and we're allowing the stress response to go on it's this whole awareness around us as you know whole individuals and so what sadhana does is it puts you on a mat every morning to do this as well as doing the physical stuff so i'm not saying like okay stop that now and now do this no now we have to add have this add-on where it is so important with this COVID-19 that we get up every morning and we look after our minds and emotions because it is so easy in in this point in history, this crisis we find ourselves in, to very easily spiral down into fear and negativity and anxiety and depression. And we cannot afford to let ourselves go there. You know, we have to get up every morning, do our sadhana and keep keep ourselves up. We speak about, you hear a lot of business people and people in the work and corporate place saying that they're seeing some really great ways they're doing things and they're going look COVID could be you know a blessing in disguise because what we're forced to do right now will actually save us you know making decisions over long periods of time and we can run more efficiently and we can do things better and we can um, you know come out the other side thriving all I can think of it's a little bit like this sadhana where we if we put in place the tools to survive COVID right now 
we won't just survive it, but we could come out thriving the other side. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I I just see us, we have an opportunity here to do things that we we just don't have time for in everyday life. So everybody says, you know, when I say to them, how many of you meditate? There's usually like a group of 25, 50 people, about three will put up their hands. Then I ask, how many of you thinking about meditation? <laughs> That's where most people are. And why they don't is because they don't have the time. Okay, we, so we don't have that excuse anymore. So we have the opportunity to meditate. We have the opportunity here to, here to really eat healthily. You know, really, because when you're working and you've got family and it's so easy not to eat healthily because you don't have time to make those smoothies and wash up that bloody contraption afterwards you know it's just you know that's stress in itself so you know we've got time to exercise um more you know put in a bit more time because we're saving so much time on travel and so many other things that that um you know might be super the way we go about doing business and leading our lives might be superfluous when we when we walk out the door of COVID-19 so I think I just see us you know, walking out the door of COVID-19, these new, fit, healthy, calm people who are living life from their frontal cortex, you know, their higher reasoning, and um, just reacting to what life throws at us in a very different way. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, it'd be be brilliant. We talk about even cooking, right? So if someone said to me, can you cook a roast? I'm an, I'm new to cooking, as you're probably aware. But um, And so when someone said cook a roast, probably a year ago, I'd find that horribly daunting. Now I'm like, yeah, I've got this because I know the steps and I don't find it overwhelming and I find it easy and straightforward now and I can roll a roast out like it's, you know, like it's nothing. Let's break it down and look at meditation and mindfulness almost like that starting something that at the first it is overwhelming but knowing that you know give it 30 days or give it a challenge of which we'll get to at the end of some challenges we can put in place but if you give yourself a challenge and commit it's actually not that hard is it no it's it's just baby steps like anything is baby steps it's like me trying to work out linkedin at the moment and <laughs> so can you do. Baby steps. <laughs> so let's break it down a little bit for people listening because people will want to take away some tools and start this. And I thought we would dissect it a little bit into categories. And the first category being family homes because I'm a parent and I have little one and my little one, 18 months, might not be applicable. But if I've got if you've got bigger kids at home, you know, five, six, seven, can you do this sadhana as a family or do you recommend doing it on your own? Well, if you can, I think you need to do it on your own, like to start, and and because it's for you, it's it's a selfish thing for you to get, especially as a mother, Jenna, especially for women, because we have so many balls that we keep up in the air at the same time. It's very important that we look after ourselves first, because if we don't look after ourselves, nobody else is going to. Um, so I think it's important that you have your own personal sadhana, which we're going to talk about what that involves. But I think it's a wonderful thing to do it with your children as well. So, you know, to I think in the morning, like there's crazy times in the morning when children come home from school. I mean, now it's just crazy all the time, I would imagine. 
<laughs> I phone I phone some friends who've got children and you hear the noise in the background <laughs> and you go, How are you doing? And it's not a good response that comes back. So I think it's a wonderful thing to do with children and here I would direct families to Smiling Mind. I mean they've not for profit and their whole thing is about meditation for children. And um if you go there will be meditations for your child's age even your son jenna navy there's meditations oh no he might be a bit young there's meditations for preschool you know from three years um but so you can go find the age of your child and there's a whole series of meditations week by week. And there's actually, if you plug into the ones that say class, class, there's actually little lessons. They'll tell you how to get the ideas over to your children. So they've been put together for teachers, but there's no reason parents can't use that. And they're very simple, so simple um, and incredibly well done. Um cannot recommend it highly enough great and let's talk about shared uh, houses and flatmates and this is something that you'll have great advice for because where i want to go with this is someone in a house and say there's three people one of them is really keen to try it and to wake up essentially and then the other house member might go oh, you're an idiot you're weird you're a crank however you want to call them and then the other one might be on the fence so how do you push back I suppose and stay strong to what you want to do if someone else in your space isn't on board well number one you're doing your own personal sadhana so you're taking the time for yourself and that's all about really understanding who you are and that you know remember that meditation is is looking is a spiritual practice so it's understanding who you are, that you are the microcosm of the macrocosm. You know, we are part of the universe and how powerful we are. We, we, you know, we've all got to wake up to realise who we actually are, to get rid of all these inhibitions and doubts about ourselves. And, and I think once you do that, you become much stronger in that, of course, you then have the experience of what these skills actually bring you. So once you get to the experience, then you're much more confident in holding your space. And if somebody is not interested, then they're not interested. They're not ready for it yet. But you don't come down to the lowest common denominator. You know, you you hold your space and you uh, and you engage with those who do want to take part. So you know, and even like you you find children who you know when I I. I work with Smiling Mind and I go to schools and um, teach um, the teachers how to get over the Smiling Mind resources and teach them about the concepts of mindfulness and meditation. And there are some children who just cannot sit down and 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 focus. You know, it, they they it, they can't do it. Of course, they're the children who need it the most. But all you do is you just keep them, in, and they say, "What do you do?" And you just keep them in the room. So, you know, if you're with flatmates or you're with, you know, some of your kids don't want to do it, then you just tell them to sit quietly and just be there while you you do it with those members of your family or friends who do want to take part. And then you hope that bit by bit it will rub off on them, that they will 
and and they will be picking up something from it. Yeah, good point. Let's talk about some boundaries, guidelines, goals for all of these individuals or groups of people uh, through COVID-19. What are some challenges they can do? What would you suggest to rally them and put in place some really good fundamentals to come out of this the other side? I think, I think number one, everybody has to understand the concept of mindfulness because this is going to be the big thing that's going to help you keep your mind and emotions focused on what's the right thing to focus on instead of allowing your mind and, and emotions to go down rabbit holes that will make you commotional you know, that will get take you into fear. So mindfulness is about being 100% engaged in the present moment, whatever you is happening right now where you are. So wherever your body is, that's where you should be and your mind should be engaged in the same place as your body. What tends to happen is our body's in one place and our mind's either in the past commiserating about the past, you know, how things were before COVID-19, what you should have done. You you know, I've had things, God, you know, I should have seen that come in. I should have read that. That person was saying that. Why didn't I take notice? You know, that that takes you into to depression. You know, there's no point going there when you can't do anything about anything that's happened in the past. Why didn't I get my money off the stock market? You know, that's a big it, there's nothing you can do. It's done. So, and and if you allow your mind to go into the past, that's where depression is created. You know, unless you can do something in the present moment from what you've learned about the past. Yeah. If we allow ourselves minds to go into the future about, my God, you know, what is this going to look like? You know, I don't have work. I don't have money. Either. Oh, if you've got money and it's on the stock market and you're seeing it disappear every night, it's like you're just going down future rabbit holes that you just have no idea what it's going to look like, you know, and that's where anxiety is created. So when we become aware that our mind is wandering in this place we've got to bring it back to where, what we're doing in the present moment and every time you feel your mind wandering into negativity fear you just bring it back to what you're doing and and that's a practice that's an absolute practice like learning to play the piano or learning to play a sport so what i say to people is choose two things that you're going to practice mindfulness so it might be when you're working out so that every time your mind wanders when you're working out you bring it back to what you're doing yeah or when you're at your desk and you're writing email you're sending emails Every time your mind wanders, you bring it back to focus on what you are doing right now, that email that you are sending right now. Does that make sense? Because we are in a very, you know, changes. We, we just don't know day to day what is around the corner. And it's it can be a tremendous fear creator. And that's not where we want to go because that we we don't want en masse to put out a fear vibration because that's not going to help us at all. What we need to do is to stay very positive and and put that frequency out, that we are changing things for the better, that this is going to be good, 
the, you know, all that positive stuff. That's the frequency we need to jump on, not the frequency of fear. You know, I'm picking up the kettle, I'm filling it with water, I'm putting it back, I'm getting out the cup, I'm getting out the tea bag, I'm opening up the fridge, I'm getting out the milk. It's like that. And every time my mind goes off on something else, I bring it back to making the cup of tea. Do you get that? Does that make sense? So you've got to practice mindfulness. And and what the brain imaging shows is when you practice it, the front, frontal cortex, which is responsible for higher reasoning, gets thicker. There's more activity there. And that, that starts the experience of experiencing the gap. And that gap is that it just starts to arrive when you practice mindfulness and meditation. And it gives you time to choose how you react to what life is throwing at you. That it, you, you're changing the structure of the brain, and so the function of the brain starts to change. That's what mindfulness does. Great. And then, so that's mindfulness, and we can do that all throughout the day. All throughout the day. And then, all throughout the day. And then meditation, where we need to be a little bit more disciplined, where we're setting aside time. Uh, what are some challenges or some goals or some things we can put in place so that we can start to incorporate meditation as okay. well into our life? Yeah. So have the time that you do it. Mornings are great. A lot of people do it at night. But whatever is your time and you need to put it in your diary, you need to put it in your calendar. This is when I meditate. So you know. Then have ready the meditation that you're going to do because you don't want to get sat on a mat and then go, okay, now what What am I going to do? You need to know what you're going to do, okay? And so I'll give people a meditation at the end that they that I think is a very potent one um, that they can do. So have a time, know what you're going to do, okay? And if you're doing it in the morning, get up a bit earlier, you know, before, well, it depends. You've got babies. What time does <laughs> Navy wake it up? He gets up at six. Okay. Um, yeah. But then he I think nighttime. I think nighttime, nighttime would be good for me. Yeah. Then yeah. I'm, the day's done. He's in bed. I think I would feel, yeah, I think it'd be good. Or a lunchtime nap. I mean, I'm lucky I've got one right now. That would yeah, work. lunchtime nap. For, for me, I'm always too tired at the end of the day. It's just, yeah, I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be the right time for me, but it could be the right time for people. Or oh, for you, you know, babies going down for sleep, that's the perfect time, you know. Yeah, so find the right time for your timetable and know what you're doing. And then, and get up a bit of, uh, you know, if you're doing it in the morning, if if you've got an older family or you've got work, you're working from home, I'd get up a bit earlier and get it done. And uh, there there is, people do it, like, any time is the best time to meditate. It's so much better than the meditation that you don't do. But there is this thing called the ambrosial hours, which is the best time to meditate. It's about the angle of the sun and the actual energy at this time of day. And it's from 4.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. And it That's is bearable. The, it is bearable. Most, yeah. And I can absolutely promise you the energy at that time of day is completely different and it changes at 7 a.m. 
I've actually experienced it. I was sitting out near, I was on the Murray doing a meditation retreat and I was sitting out there from 5 till 7 a.m. I had this long meditation to do at the time. It was part of my training. And at 7 a.m., everything changed. You could feel it. It was amazing. So there is an ambrosial hour and it's also 4.30 to 7 at night. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you've got, okay, plenty of time to get your... Plenty of opportunity. But in saying that as well, if I was to meditate at midday and hey, still 15 great. minutes, I'd feel great. Great. Any time is a good time. Great. Okay, really excellent point. Something I'd love your opinion on or just to get your view is something a bit broader and it is the importance of being flexible, um, you know, being flexible around the current situation, changes, adapting, having a flexible mind and then being kind and compassionate and you've mentioned this before, being kind, compassionate and doing our part for the broader community, yes, at a micro local community but even the broader macro global community what's your take on all of that um so you started with with how to we're flexible of mind that we can roll with the punches and i think what's important to bring out there is our minds are artifacts of the past so these minds of ours have actually been created by everything that's happened to us since we were born and that has created our beliefs our habits, our prejudices, how we react to life. Because everything that happens to us in the present moment has to go through this matrix, which is now our subconscious. And they reckon about 80 to 90% of how we react to life comes from our subconscious. So everything in the present day, anything happening in the present day, comes through this, has to go through this matrix And that determines how we react. So we are reacting to the present day with a mind created in the past. And so we're living in a world that has nothing to do with the past, you know, that many of us are still behaving in the present moment because of things that happened to us, you know, because things our mothers did to us or our fathers did to us or or friends said to us or things that happened in work. And it, it still affects how we react today. We really need to get rid of that baggage in our subconscious mind. It's like it's a toilet down there and it needs to be cleaned every day so we can allow this new flexibility in, this new intuition in, this new space, this kindness, this compassion so we can react to life as a what's appropriately needed in the present day moment not based on how we've always lived our life before mm. and so that you know kindness and compassion that kind of hasn't been part of, <laughs> of life you know it hasn't it's like the, still this... still is challenging with people hoarding pasta and toilet paper you know is that being compassionate oh, and kind no <laughs> not at all that's just fear that is looking after number one and there's there's a sutra for this um era and one of them is recognize that the other person is you you know that it that if 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 you have a stock of toilet paper 
the other person doesn't. You know, it's it's that kind of thing it, that that if you're hurting, somebody else is hurting. It it's recognizing that the other person loves you and treating other people as you would like to be treated yourself. And this this is this whole thing, you know, of of recognizing that we are all one. You know, and what I what I I do to others will come back to me. You know, it's that energetic frequency of how I treat others that will come right back to me. You know, karma. And um, so we need these more open, flexible minds. We need to get in every day and meditate and pull apart that subconscious mind, which is what meditation does. It cleans the subconscious mind. And and so, you know, that's often when people sit down to meditate and they're looking to find peace and calm, that their mind goes nuts because it's all the subconscious mind stuff coming up. And so if that happens to you, you get up and you pat yourself on the back and you go, great, I did a good job there. I, I'm cleaning my subconscious mind. And that's the biggest thing for people to understand about meditation. So you need to clean that up every day. I, I mean, I feel... When I, you know, I do meditate every day now. It's taken me years, but I'm, I'm now there. And I feel, you know, I can sit there and I can feel last night's TV coming off. You know, if I've watched something that's a bit violent, not that I do that often, but if I have watched something that's a bit violent or, you know, something, something I can actually feel that energy come off of me. Please don't tell me you've watched Tiger King. And if you're so, can you get that energy off you? <laughs> I don't know. No, I haven't. No, I think I have heard of Tiger King, but I haven't watched it. Oh, I couldn't watch it. No. Watch it. Watch it. Actually, watch it, and then meditate it out of you <laughs> quickly. Yeah. So this whole thing about you know creating new minds for this new era is what we need, and the way you have to do that is you have to pull apart the subconscious mind to get rid of things that no longer serve us. That, that will no longer ta- take us forward behaving uh, and putting new habits together that will enable us to thrive in this new era that we now find ourselves firmly in. <laughs> well, I do strongly believe that people are going to listen to this, be inspired, and they can head to your website, kwatts.com.au, and, yeah. and also check out your LinkedIn and, um, and follow posts and different uh, things that you'll be sharing throughout all of this. Um, and they can find out more information and they can start doing it. It's it's as simple as five minutes a day. I know that you do longer, but it doesn't have to – it's baby steps, right? That's the key thing that for someone steps, like me yeah. who has dipped in and out of this space, um, I still find it, you know, daunting. So five minutes. Yeah, it's 10, just – it's, 15. you know, what we have to remember is it's just a habit. Yeah. It's one of these new habits we have to create that we've never had time to create before. And here we are with all the time. And so it's just a habit meditation. So it's like get the time, get where you're going to sit down and do it, know what you're going to do. I've actually just put a great meditation, very simple, brings together two very potent things that you do in meditation on my LinkedIn and so I highly encourage people to have a look at that and uh, I take people through. It's a three-minute meditation. 
three-minute meditation. We've all got time for that. Amazing. And it, it's about breathing, you know, breathing deeply because if we're feeling fear, anxious, depressed, tune into your breathing, you will be breathing very shallow without a doubt. So all you have to do is become aware that of that and start breathing deeply. And what breathing deeply does, it slows down the breath, turns off the stress response and turns on your immunity. And don't we need that right now? Mm, spot on. And something else that we now have time to do is read, so they say. So do you have a book that you could recommend? Um. Gosh, I tend not to read fiction. Mm -hmm. I don't read a lot of fiction. There never seems time to read fiction. But <laughs> there's a book I do love. Um, I don't know if I told you this one before, but it's Many Masters, Many Lives by, by a guy called Weiss, W-E-I-S-S. And it's written by an American psychiatrist, very mainstream, educated in Yale and you know, got it qualifications up his yin yang, and um, he started working with this girl who he couldn't help her with her anxiety. He started doing past life regression with her, and she started telling him about her past lives. And it's absolutely fascinating. And he went on, he did 80 past lives with her, and he went on and did it with other clients. He went on TV and, and did it, and um. I just find it fascinating and uh, it's a classic. It's an absolute classic book, Many Ma many Masters, Many Lives or Many Lives, Many Masters by, by a guy called Weiss. Brilliant. And finally, a quote that uh, might inspire you, either through your life or even just in times right now. I've got a quote for the times right now and this quote is, there are two ways to change things. Either you are forced to change or you have the intuition to change. Couldn't be more relevant, could it? Couldn't be more relevant. <laughs> well, thank you and um, thanks for your time and your tips and uh, look forward to more of us and hopefully more than we think coming out of COVID-19 healthier, happier and ready to tackle the next decade with, uh, with a lot more positivity and light. So thank yes. you. Go well, everybody. Stay well. Stay in good humour. <laughs> Have <good>. some fun. <laughs>